Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, campus pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, and each and every week we dive deeper. That's why it's called the Deeper Podcast. It is. And the past few weeks we've gotten pretty deep on a few things, Uh and we've had, honestly, we've had a really good response uh, from folks um, being enlightened or being brought or made aware of certain things that are happening around the world and around the globe. And, uh, and that's kind of the point of why we do this. We want to try to take some of those things that are happening in current events and there's no shortage of those things happening in the world Mm -hmm. right now. And, um, tying that into scripture, tying it into the word and specifically through our, our current sermon series, which is what's true about you. And so we've been looking and studying, uh, secular humanism, um, progressive Christianity, and how that all ties into just the very simple idea of the gospel. And uh, today will be no different. We're going to dive into um, several different topics um, and, and talk about several of our partnering ministries that are around the globe as well. Uh, but first, this Sunday, this past Sunday, we had a special guest. Mr. Jeremiah Johnston joined us uh, from Houston, Texas. Good friend of yours, a blast from the past. Yeah, uh, it's kind of weird when... So it's it's happening more and more like the like people that were either like my friends kids uh are now grown-ups or people that like were kids when i was like young and now i'm like i've realized oh it's because i'm old and so i'm like getting like jeremiah johnson I think, I, <laughs> he was like a 20 year old kid in my mind but he's got like five kids of his own now and he's like 40 he's like your age yeah he's my age uh which is funny because you now and now that makes me, that's actually weird too. Well, we've we've been working together in some form or fashion, yeah, uh, for uh, seventeen years. Wow, how old were you? Twenty four when we met. You were twenty four. Okay, yeah. you'd already been married like five years at that point, right? <laughs> I've been married four years. Four years. Yeah, <laughs> you made two babies by then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Off to the races, man. Were you? No. Am I remembering right that you were working with Cujo? Yeah, my in, good friend. In the management side. My good friend, uh, Cujo, uh, out of Columbus. Uh, we had a artist management company uh, that we had put together. He started it and then yeah. brought me on board, took me under his wing. And, uh, yeah, we were off and running, managing Christian rock bands um, based in Columbus, Ohio, and, and obviously bands from all over the country. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's that when was, our first meeting. And that was 17 years ago? Yeah. What was I? So I was managing what? Was I in? It was Cutlass by then. Yeah, you had Cutlass for sure. Um, you had just, you had just uh, brought on Disciple. So we were already with Disciple. You okay. started. Yeah, you had started bringing in Disciple because just prior to that, though, I had I was doing merchandise design. Yep. For your for your band, like tour posters yeah, yeah. And, and merch design and shirts and stuff like that, and and, and a lot of that was for. Disciple and Cutlass. Yeah, Mo had. Um, so back then, let, you know, let, let Uncle Darren tell a story for the kids. <laughs> no. But back then, like when you had a concert, like people made posters and then hung them up places. Yeah, like around town. Yeah. 
Like you, <laughs> like that was how you knew there was a concert coming. Was if, if you were at your local whatever bookstore or right. uh, church or whatever, they would hang a poster up, and that was how. It was not an efficient method of communication, as I recall. But that was the method. It was all we had. Newspaper or just actually handing out of flyers at your school or at the youth group, at the cafe. And it was, I mean, I look back on it now, like that was a big expense for touring because, you know, if you were promoting a show... Um, like one of the things we would do is we'd, we'd print these flyers off, like uh, which Mo would design them, um, and get kids to go hand them out like at other concerts right? under their uh, windshield wipers and stuff, yeah. which, which yeah. kind of annoys me do now. Me- like if I come out and I've got like a, a menu or something, like, wait, why did you touch my car? Do you remember the term street teams? Street teams. So we used to have street teams. You would have Your band would form a street team. And that's what that, that's who the you would engage. Team. Do you remember yeah, this? I do remember that. You would engage these people to market and pass out flyers and stickers and, uh, you know, go to, like you're saying, go to other concerts and pass out flyers for the next concert that's coming to town. It was this little, uh, <laughs> you know, underground marketing team. Micah, do you know what a street team is? Did you ever heard that phrase before? Wow, that's great. It was, it was a grassroots marketing campaign, yeah. boots on the ground. Street teams that was huge, like in the early two thousands. Yeah. I mean that that was your that was your marketing, uh, wow. was your marketing plan. And we, uh, that's, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm having some uh, some realizations. Like Micah doesn't even know what the word is. Like no. that's that's the music business equivalent, right? Of like uh, not knowing how to roll up a, a car window because you've never actually seen a knob right. that where you roll it up. Yeah. But yeah, so Mo did the posters and design. He actually was really good at it. And I remember, like as you were managing more, you didn't want to do that, and we kept having to like harass you to. Yeah, it was a time when I was kind of going from a lot of graphic design into artist management and. Um, kind of bled over, but it, what's really cool about all that is it uh, it intersected our paths, right? Yeah, yeah. There actually was a purpose in that, wasn't there? And uh, <laughs> which is fast forward all of these years later, um, here we are, and in Franklin together, and um, leading Conduit Church, um, which is pretty cool. I mean, there's and and what's cool is I ran into somebody this week that uh, that knew us prior to Conduit you know, from back in the music industry days and. That was, that was, was it a positive? Fun. It was great. Okay. Yeah, it was good. I mean, for me, I, for you, of course it would be. But <laughs> I'm not insinuating anything, but, you know, when you're at it as long as I was, especially when you're an agent, you know, you... Yeah, you got to be the bad guy sometimes. Yeah, gosh, a lot of the times. Heavy-handed. So, yeah, like, I think that was um, the the prophet without honor in their hometown. You know, Jesus, if he had known about artist manager, he would have, like, <laughs> used that phrase instead. <laughs> because, you know, some... It's true. Like everybody, you can go to like a Starbucks and find probably ten people that know me, and ten of them think I'm an idiot. You know, sure. Ten of them think I'm a genius. None of them are right. None right. Either one. I just was trying to manage bands, but yeah. And, and then here we are. And Jeremiah Johnston was he was a promoter. A promoter. Yeah. yeah. I remember when we did that show. It was with uh, a hip hop group called Grits. Oh, absolutely. Do you remember? Do you know what the is it an acronym? Is that what it, it is? It is an acronym. I- I would. I, don't I would give it. you fifty dollars right now. I, if I thought long enough and hard enough, I could do it. The, my first interaction with Grits though was my local band opened for them, New oh. Year's Eve, nineteen ninety nine. Which meant you probably I booked them. Yeah, my life be like. Actually, that was I think before <laughs> that song came out. It was right around that same time. It was actually Skillet 
Grits. I remember that. And then my puny little local band. Wait, was that in Columbus? Where it was, was in the? Dayton, Ohio. Dayton. I mean, yeah, that, it must have been a fairly decent payday for both of those bands yeah. to actually want to play a New Year's Eve show in yeah, Ohio. We, yeah, we had uh, premium pay on those nights, man. But it was a huge deal for, for me and my little rock band at the time. That was a fun night. That would have been a big deal. I remember I remember very Fritz vividly. and Skillet? Yeah, man. Dude, it's, so it stands for Grammatical Revolutions in the Spirit. Grammatical Revolutions in the Spirit. I kid you not. Grits. Stacy and Tehran were background dancers for Toby. And then Stacy, oh, that's right. Background dancers for Toby. Yeah. Started their hip hop band. Yeah. And why not get a white guy from Nebraska to book their show? To book it. I mean, it's a perfect recipe. It, it, it was perfect. And I remember um, this is how white I was, well, I am, but was. It was GMA of 97. Gospel Music Week. Yeah, Gospel Music Week. And back then, like, it was a big, big, big deal. Yeah. And, like, music people, promoters, record label, from all over the country. The Mecca. Culminates with the Dove Awards. And and that year, they had a panel discussion on uh, on the hip-hop and, and rap music. And I'm on the panel, which is... Of course. It tells you right now we're in trouble, right? Like, <laughs> you got Darren Tyler, whose only aspiration as a child was to be John Mellencamp when I grew up. And His on the panel for I'm mean, the hip-hop, hip-hop guy, yeah. Uh, it, this is this is embarrassing. Um, I'm so Stacey doesn't listen to this. Uh, I, I, I look at the little, um, the little thing uh, with the names of who's going to be on the panel, and it says, uh, Coffee from Grits. Yeah. And I'm like, who the heck is Coffee? Now, keeping in mind, I've been booking this band for two years at this point. Okay, I've made them fascinating, you know, amounts of money for a little rap group. And so I call Stacy. I'm like, hey, bro, do this panel here. I see someone selling me. And but who, who is Coffee? And then there's this long pause. Where Stacy's like, man, are you serious? I was like, yeah, I like. I, and at this point, I'm like, I know I'm supposed to know who this is. Oh, um, he goes, "You fool! That's me. I'm Coffee." <laughs> it was his stage name. Yeah, he had a stage name. <laughs> I didn't Nobody tell you. I didn't put the coffee wasn't on the contract. Like, I didn't call him Coffee like when we were having lunch or whatever. And then, uh, and actually, I can't even remember what Tehran's stage name was. Was it T Bone or Stone? It was T Bone. Was it? No, no, T Bone was his own thing. Well, I'm pretty sure there's something was with his. bone in it, though. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna have to look this T-bone, up. T Bone, Thugs, and Harmony, or I just didn't know that we had stage names. And you'd so, be surprised. I mean, I mean, at that point, you didn't realize that, but I mean, I think people would be surprised to know how many, how many artists, obviously secular, but even in the Christian community of of musicians have stage names operate right. under stage names yeah and i feel like you and i have missed a, a big opportunity as pastors to have not had stage <laughs> names <laughs> stage name. <laughs> <laughs> yes Stacy, man that was god that was 97 98 and i actually remember i man i beat my head against that wall um i had a conversation with a guy named ron loose but i don't know if anybody even knows who that is anymore but choir of the fire ron was doing these big conferences and i was trying to tell him man man your kids are listening to hip-hop and he's like yeah no no we went we went third day for the youth conference and and the thing about christian music we we were always like 10 years or five years behind and so when you go to a youth conference the, the band that was booked isn't necessarily the band the kids were listening to it's the band that the youth pastor was listening to and those are not the same no, thing. no they are not and so by 98 99 you know 
Third Day had become like the Facebook of Christian music. Like it was all the grandmas and grandpas and parents were listening to it, but the kids weren't. Wait, wait, what's the name here? Name. Bonafide. Bonafide. Teron Bonafide Carter. Yeah. So, but they went by coffee and Bonafide. I couldn't. And with a straight face, I still can't even say that with a straight face. So I called Ron and I'm like, hey man, you, I know you guys want to book Third Day and all this, but man, what do you think about putting a hip hop group? Man, the kids aren't listening to rap. They're not listening to rap. So I was like, man, I probably, look, if you go out uh, today, pick 10 random interns in your parking lot and just pick their cars and look at their CD collections. You had to work for it back then. I could have. Today I would just say, hey, look, pull up their Spotify and look at their playlist. But anyway, you had to go to the parking lot back then. Uh, and I was like, and if you don't find like a bunch of rap records in their cars, I'll never bother you again. And to his credit, he listened and he called me back. Very good. And put grits on every Acquire the Fire for like three years. You were ahead of your time, man. I was you were a, a pioneer. I was a scrappy little hit, a white guy trying to. <laughs> I, I here's what I learned. I don't know if you ever learned this, Mo, or not. It was a this was a really good lesson for me to have learned really early on. Just because I liked the songs or the music, if I liked it personally, had no. In fact, actually, it was a problem. If I liked it personally, probably wasn't going to be very successful. So I was not really aiming for whether I enjoyed it personally as much as uh, the biggest impact that it could make. Right. And so, but that said, I actually kind of fell in love with rap music. And uh, a little known thing about DT is, uh, <laughs> is that your stage name now? Yes, my gra- uh, grandmaster. Did we? Did DT? we? Yeah. Right. Didn't we rename you a DL Tyler? You're going with the initials. The DLT. Uh, yeah. Your middle initials. Remember? DL- oh, that's right. DL Tyler. That's right. Yesterday, because we. I, you're talking about how all the the great theologians of the day used their initials. Yeah. A.W. Tozer, C.S. Lewis. Hip. So between hip-hop and great theologians, I definitely need to. we got to get stage <laughs> we got to come up with something. That's our New Year's resolution. Oh. All of that to say, oh. we ran into Jeremiah Johnson this week. He came to our church <laughs> yep. and brought the word, gave us a, a really good lesson on the peace of God and shalom and having a plan for peace. Yeah. Right? Um, and it was just, it was a really, it was a really good Sunday. Yeah. I What I really love about this message that he brought um if you've been around listening to this podcast you know we've been talking for a long time about it's time for the rise of the thinkers we need people who can think and who can make decisions based on fa- based on facts not on narrative and you know 10 years ago jeremiah started an organization called the christian thinker society and i back then i was like i've totally i need to look that kid up i haven't talked to him in a while i wonder what he's doing um and he's you know 10 books now that are apologetics in nature and uh, and this was his most recent. When he started telling me what he, this message, I'm like, oh my gosh, you've got to come bring that to Conduit. Because that's what he said was so perfect because because uh, it really convicted me. I'm like, wow, you know, you've got a financial plan, you've got a college plan for your kids, you've got, you know, you, all these plans. And here's this word shalom in the scripture that's not just a greeting, it's an actual principle and promise from God. Why, you know, why would we not have a peace plan? I'm like, Phew buddy that's a really good point that's a reasonable point especially because the enemy certainly has an anxiety plan for our lives yes and uh when he brought that message i was like okay that's i need you to bring it here and and it it landed big time and we had a great response if you have not listened to that yet i encourage you to go back and listen to that message from Sunday, yeah, you can you can go back on our YouTube channel or on this podcast, of course, and uh, and download and or watch the teaching from Sunday, um, or you can also go to ChristianThinkers.com. That's his website. He's got a ton of materials there, 
and um, some really good resources to help you make a peace plan. You know, one of the things that helped us kind of birth the idea even for this podcast was this idea of bringing clarity to confusion. Yeah. Right. So over the past couple of years, man, it's just this wave of confusion has hit us mm-hmm. in, in, in the globally. But I mean, I would say here in the U S as well, more specifically, and, you know, I think everybody was paying attention a little bit to global events before 2019. Um, you may have had your toe in the water. You may have been neck deep in news cycles. I think we're all kind of a different place on the shore when it comes to that. But when the wave of confusion came in um, 2019 with, uh, with, with COVID, with elections, with politics, Everybody got wet. Yeah. And it caused everybody to start paying attention and try to figure out what just happened and make sense of the confusion. Yeah. What was really interesting to me now, thinking back on it, is um, like we actually haven't done anything that differently as far as conduit is concerned, meaning like we didn't. It, change course. Yeah, like we didn't. Um, like we're not bandwagon fans of the band that was like the you know the punk rock band. Now they're like mainstream, and we're all anyway. You know, like I guess that metaphor, we're the punk rock band. Uh, <laughs> we're just doing what we've been doing. Um, but I, you know, when I, I, I joke about it, but like when I was a little kid, I was always watching the news, and I didn't know it was weird like, until I had kids that were like about the age that I was at that time, and I'm having, I have conscious memories of turning on CNN headline news on purpose. How old were you when you started? Fifth grade. Like fifth grade, so yeah. Fourth, fifth grade. And I was years like, old. USA Today? I mean, for the love of God, I was reading USA Today <laughs> when I was in junior high. Impressive. And, and I, so I point was like, I, God had always given me a, a desire and interest in, in intriguing, I don't know, with geopolitical stuff and... What was wild was that, I'll say this, pastoring a church for the first few years of this was kind of a little bit lonely because I had to come to the realization that just because I thought something was fascinating does not mean it was. Right. For everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Because it just, I'd be like, oh, this is, don't you understand how exciting this is? I'm like, no, I really don't. Oddly enough, I mean, I guess it's not that odd, but similar situation for me. I remember being a fifth grader in my, um, my history teacher, Mrs. Pappas. She would do this game, uh, this Jeopardy game that she came up with. She had these buzzers made that had lights on them. Like it was like real time, smash the buzzer, light went off. And it was all about current events. And I dominated in that thing. <laughs> like it was like my favorite, favorite day of the week when we would do these current event, news cycle, Jeopardy type events. Yeah. Um, and she just made, she made history fun. She made news fun, like helped connect all the dots. I remember, I remember her name, it was a fifth grade teacher. Wow. Um, but I, rem- I remember then like being attuned to that and, and, and enjoying that and wanting to know, yeah. trying to make sense of it all. Yeah, because uh, w- when you think about it from like we live in the world, right? Not of the world, but we live in the world. But at the same time, I understand that not everybody is going to be. And honestly, probably not everybody should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look to the Old Testament. Uh, I think it's First Chronicles. It talks about the men of Issachar understood the times, knew what to do. Yeah. But they were the by far the smallest tribe yeah, remnant yeah and and i don't think it was because they were so special it was just more because that's just not a skill that was needed as much as uh, some of the others were but the, for us it was like for this moment 
there was a part where it was like, okay, this is what we've trained for. Like this is what right. <laughs> like this is why we're this is why we're here. Um, I think it's first it is first Corinthians fourteen thirty three says that God is not the author of confusion, but He's the author of peace. It's awesome. And so what we had attempted, are attempting, and will continue to attempt, mm-hmm. is to actually write the peace story um, instead of the confusion story. Yes. Because that's the story God is writing is the peace story. And, you know, and, and, I, and I think most weeks we probably do good. Some weeks we, we sort of the, – the trick with what we do is to communicate the truth without the anxiety. Right. To uh, – which is hard for me because I actually can completely divorce myself of the emotion of all of this and just think we're having this fascinating conversation and you sort of look out there and everybody's like, holy yeah. crap, we're screwed. What are yeah. we going to do? You know? yeah. and, and I don't mean to leave it like that. And so what I really loved about what Jeremiah was talking about was um, peace is God's promise to us, not situations, but peace in situations. Right. And uh what we're even where we are in Romans that all things work together for the good of those Romans 8:28 for the, those who love him are called according to his purpose you know these next few verses that we're going to be plowing through on uh next Sunday is uh all about that that we it's not that we're not you know one of the one of the biggest fallacies that Christians uh have that and I don't know if we were if it was implicitly taught or explicitly or maybe both uh well we sort of had this idea that because we were Christians um, we would actually have less bad things. Maybe nobody would say no bad things, but less bad things. And but that's there's no promise in Scripture anywhere no. that that would say that. And and so that just means that okay. But even in this bad world, that we could have peace in this world uh, is the promise that Jeremiah was talking about. And uh, you know what could feel super overwhelming is to look at what's happening in the world right now without the peace of God. Right. I, I would contend that anybody that anybody that doesn't have you know Christ, a relationship with Jesus and an understanding of um of of the the promises of God and the, if you if you're not scared out of your minds, you don't know you're not paying attention. Yes. I love like John Tyson's uh, statement that you know that this the future is way too scary to not be a charismatic right now. <laughs> um that the, 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 an active, ongoing relationship with God and the Holy Spirit that is engaging and that is this big picture uh, that God has in mind. If you don't have that, you better be scared. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I mean, I listen to guys like Sam Harris, you know, the atheist, and he he speaks with such confidence about uh, the future, and, and and it's all based on the premise of that humans are evolving. Right. That's the literal premise of their whole thing. Yeah. And. If that's not correct, which parenthetically it's not, like it's demonstrably false. In other words, you have to. It's like the gospel is the only thing that we can look at and actually pay attention to what's going on in the world and still have peace. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, you can be aware of what's happening, live in a world that's fallen, and have shalom. Yeah, because and shalom doesn't mean not paying attention at all with it. You know, in the early days of the church, I would hear a lot, and even I mean, yes, even sometimes still. You know, we had somebody that actually left the church a, a while back um, that – wonderful people, by the way. Uh, love the Lord. He's like, I, I want – for my pastor, I'm just looking for just the Bible. You know, I'm not looking to turn on the, the podcast and, and hear what's going on in the world. And, you know, and he's a guy that he was looking for the peace of God by just ignoring everything going on in the world. Yeah. Um, 
And there is a peace you can get from doing that, but it's not the peace of God. Right. Um, it's just not paying attention is not really a strategy for peace because eventually, you know, that's how the world gets in trouble is by people not paying attention to it. So by paying attention to what's going on in the world while the gospel is the center of it, um, you can still have that peace. And, and I might add, we can also be proactive in, to me, like even like some of like Rod Dreher's like the Benedict option. If you haven't read that book, he, he kind of goes back to the Benedictine period and that when it got really, really crazy in the world, um, that the best option for the Benedictine monks was literally to withdraw from society completely, like to build like a, their own version of an ark. That's he didn't use that language, but that's the language that. I, um, and in his, you know, Dreyer's a brilliant thinker, and he's sort of proffering, well, maybe that's what that's what we need to be doing now. Um, I can't find that anywhere. No, in scripture, um, is is even a suggestion that that's a good idea. But what I can see is a whole lot of practical ways that that's gone really, really wrong over the years. I mean, David Koresh, anyone? Right. Jim Jones, like oh, that that never ends well uh, w- when you go down that road. But my point is, is that in this world, we don't have to withdraw from it. And by the way, knowing what's going on in it, then we actually can have a plan, uh, a, a peace plan. That involves not hiding, but actually taking ground for the kingdom, which is what we did as a church, uh, was to say, and I, I think by April, you and I were sufficiently awake. Oh, for sure. I mean, oh. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, probably before then, but. Yeah, yeah. But like sufficiently. Like, sufficiently and um, like absolutely. On, on day 15 of two weeks to flatten the curve, we're like, <laughs> okay, well, now there's something going on here. The, <laughs> we, I'm like walking around, walking laps in my neighborhood, you know, hurting my plantar fasciitis because I'm walking so much. Uh, walk it off for 14. Yeah, walk it off for 14 days and realizing, oh, this was never going to be two weeks. Yeah, we're still we're still trying to flatten the curve here. Yeah, so we were sufficiently awake, but that point then it allowed us to start making plans. Yeah, and I think there's there's been a couple of ways that we can attack this. Right, there's um, you a church, a person, entities can decide to respond actively or passively yeah and i feel like i feel like i know like we we made a conscious decision to respond um, actively yeah to activate um those things inside of us as as we are driven by the good news of the gospel by the 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 love of christ um in in following his commands um to to go out and to go and do and um, for the least of these, for all of those things, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. And sometimes the gospel looks like feeding hungry children. Yes. Clothing the naked. Um, it does. And here's why it does. Um, we're, and we're not social justice warriors. Uh, they, they tweet bad things about us. So we're, you know, we're not. But the gospel would, the gospel is really the only, Christian faith is the only religion that actually puts the human value at the place where you should be actually helping. Cause that person is so valuable that they deserve to have food and water and basic needs. Wow. You know, in India, uh, Hinduism says that they're, uh, that they have been reincarnated. And if you've been born with special needs or if you're in a lower caste, it's because you're being punished for a past wow. life. And so it's actually like anathema to them to help because why would you help? Yeah. They because had it coming. They had it coming, and they'll they'll if they they'll now they'll suffer in this lifetime, in the next lifetime they'll have another chance, and if they do this one right, um, atheism, 
I, you know, I was listening to Sam Harris actually talk about um, the idea of that you don't need Christianity or religion, you know, the, uh, to to find this needs for purpose and fulfillment. And um, and again, he's talking about. He actually says it in a way. He says evolution does not care about your comfort. Evolution does not care about your flourishing. Evolution only cares about whether you successfully mate or not. That's the only thing that evolution cares about. True, yeah. <laughs> right? And which is 100% true. So he says that, but then out of the other side of his mouth, he's talking about how we don't need religion to, um, to, to succeed with these things. And I'm thinking, you just told me that if evolution is, is science, that we, that we shouldn't care about whether someone... Because by that standard, the kids that we feed in Haiti should die deserve to die because they're they're weaker and then in evolution the strong eat the weak right so we are to go and help children in a in a nation who are special needs to help uh, addicts in our own country is actually uh, 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 not scientific because science says that they shouldn't survive and and, and by the way if, if you want to make an argument for morality now we're out of science now and into a whole other thing which is where do you why would that be because you just said science is the highest thing and we want to be logical for us now to come back at it and say that, uh, of course, Jesus would say, if you've cared for the least of these brothers of mine, mm-hmm. which parenthetically he says in Matthew 25, verse 40, in the middle of a two chapter long discourse on the end of days, right. tell us, how will we know, Jesus? Well, how will we know the signs of your return and your, your coming? And he starts talking about f- like famine and wars and rumors of wars and and so this sort of all ends with, hey, so if you've seen your brother in, in prison, if you've seen your brother in, in naked or, uh, or hungry, like, did you, f- and he says, you've done it for the least of these, you've done it for me in that context. And if you think about it, he's actually talking about, it's pretty obvious. We were seeing it right now when there is, when there are wars and rumors of wars, there are refugees who are forced from their homes with nothing but the clothes on their back and sometimes not even the clothes on their back. When there are tyrannical governments that are imprisoning Christians for their faith or for their COVID camp uh, in Australia, they, you know, did you visit me while I was in prison? Like tyrannical governments imprison people unfairly and unjustly. So Jesus was saying, hey, here's the future and here is your role in this future. Like if you're going to be here in this season and I believe that we are in that season, does that mean today or tomorrow? I don't know. It just... The leaves are changing outside. It's fall. Right. And Jesus said, when you see these leaves change, you know that you're in the season. Uh, he gave us the playbook for this. Like, in this season, here's what you guys should be doing. And so I would suggest that any church, you know, when we start a church, you know, you think about what are you going to put on the website? You put on the website, you got to have the youth pastor, you got to have the kid. All, all true. you got to have the kids pastor, you got to have the worship pastor. You're trying to, like— put your team together like right. a football team. I need the quarterback. I need the running back. And I'm out of players that I know. <laughs> You've gone through the whole list. Like you need the big guy <laughs> that throws the ball. You know, the little guy that kicks it, you know, um, the, this ministry of helping the, the, the poor and the, the oppressed and the, that in, in Jesus's mind, that's actually just as important because he doesn't say on that day, I'm going to ask you, did you guys do, you know, three worship songs every Sunday? I'm going to ask you, right. did you feed, did you clothe me? Did you give me water to drink? Did you visit me? That So t- if that's important to Jesus, it should be important to us. Yes. And so as conduit, I mean, we're in all honesty, in all honesty, we're trying to just live up to our name, right? Conduit Church. Yeah. That we would be uh, a resource um, of Jesus to these people. 
to our people, to this country, to this community, to other countries. And because of the generosity of so many fellow conduits, um, we were able to send some money even this week yeah. to our friends in, in Uganda. I'm going to try to name off some of these cities, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher them. This will be, be uh, Miss Pappas. I hope she's listening. Yeah, I hope Miss Pappas is listening. Uh, Kabagezi. Kabagezi is a, is a school. Uh, that we that we help uh, help fund some of the teachers there. We'll talk more about that in just a second. So Kabagezi, Kapika, Kapika, Kawalara, Kawalira. We're doing pretty good actually. Kitarede, Chitarede, Chitarede. I know, I know. Starts with a K. The C H is silent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so these are four. Are these four individual communities or villages? Mm-hmm. Each one of those represent, so that's Pastor Fred, Pastor Moses, Jay, John Bosco, which is my favorite name. John you, Bosco. You know, right? It's like, I wish my name was John Bosco. And it's actually like a name. That's not his first ass last name. It's John Bosco. I love it. It's like a name. Um, they're pastors who have schools in their church. They've got a clinic. They've got a water well that we have drilled for them. I love that. And, and look, so let's talk about that because Uganda is such a great example of Jesus's uh, warning to us, hey, there's going to be crazy times coming. Um, the president of Uganda has lost his ever-loving mind. Um, yeah, it's their health care uh, restrictions, their uh, health care, quote-unquote, experts have locked down their schools for over 80 weeks. 80 weeks. 8-0. And it's funny, you have to, people, Darren, why do you read Al Jazeera? You know why I'm reading Al Jazeera? Because the New York Times isn't talking about this stuff. Correct. But the story in Al Jazeera this week is that, hey, the schools are going to, and this is sort of like a celebration, and you're going, we're going to reopen the schools in January. And the numbers from all UN experts are saying that less than, uh, at least around 30% of the kids are not coming back. And they're not coming back because when they weren't in school, they were vulnerable to sexual abuse. Yes. Um, they were of, 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 to physical abuse. They were being married off because the parents can't afford to feed them, and their only meal they were getting was at a school. Uh, so s- sex trafficking is literally skyrocketing. Wow. Teen pregnancy, skyrocketing. Um, the violence that's been done to children. And, you know, if you're, there was the, the, the story, you know, Al Jazeera actually tells the story of this young 15-year-old who's got two babies now. Yeah, 15 years old, school shuts down, and within the 80 weeks that there has been no school, she now has two children, no way to pay for them or provide for them, no education, and I'm sure that's a microcosm of what's happening. Oh, it is. It is. And by the way, Uganda is representative of the majority of Africa. Any and I say Africa, Asia, any country that was a developing nation that you shut down your schools, you now have a crisis of epic proportion, and it's it's, it's so maddening to me because I read these things, and if you read it from like like Harvard papers and stuff, they'll actually say this is the effects of the quote unquote pandemic. The that the pandemic caused these yes problems yeah. And I was reading a piece yesterday uh, on a Harvard piece, and it was actually says, and this was funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yes. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Bill Gates, who was the the original proponent of lockdowns. So no one said in this article that these problems are being caused because of our response to the pandemic, to COVID. It's because of COVID. 
as if these responses were uh, were obligatory and mandatory and there was no other option justifiable yeah i mean i've said it before but you know you can hold your head underwater and that is a successful strategy to avoid covid but it is not sustainable (laughs) no and so what they've done is collectively put the, the millions of children's heads underwater uh look they don't have covid we don't have covid uh, but now we've got STDs, we've got teen pregnancies, we've got child labor, child slavery, uh, all off the charts. And, the, and these are, you can find these stories, they're readily available now on places like Harvard, MIT, think, quote unquote, think tanks, and they all blame the pandemic. They're not, none of them would acknowledge that, well, maybe we made some mistakes. In, how we, in fact, one of the articles I read yesterday, they were talking about the mysterious scientists are perplexed by how COVID has not overrun the hospitals in places like Africa. In Uganda, 3,200 people have died of COVID. Now, people can say, well, they're not testing, they're not, and that's true, they're not. But if the naysayers were right about it, then they, these hosp- they should be, they, they should, the, the all-cause death mortality, their hospitals should have been bodies piled everywhere. Sure. And it never happened. And it didn't because in Uganda, the average lifespan is about 55 to 60 years old. The average death of COVID still remains 78 years old. Yeah. So the irony is that one of the, the most, one of the things about Uganda that has made it immune to COVID is the, is the sad thing about Uganda, which is that most people are dead by the time they would die from COVID. They've already been dead. Right. So, you know, is, do people catch it? And, and yes, do the percentages uh, continue to be ridiculously low yes and so they literally shut down this country in my opinion completely needlessly because the death rates were never going to skyrocket here and we know this over and over again Uh, the the, the scientists are perplexed but it's really not that perplexing so they think they solved one problem they think they solved one problem but have created handfuls Of other problems that will be generational. Dude, just and look, the, the, the vaccine people, right? Everybody's, you know, they're oh god, they're like they're not vaccinated. They're only six percent vaccinated. But you know what else has not happened in the last decade, like, like two years now, is that diphtheria, smallpox, malaria are all on the rise because it was such a myopic approach to one disease. Like the, nobody's mentioned that, yeah, that vaccinations for those things have plummeted. So millions and millions of people are now... They're unable to get access to basic healthcare needs. Yeah. Smallpox is making a comeback because of our myopic approach. And I say our, that is not my approach. Their myopic approach to one virus. And yeah, we've solved this one and caused a, a plethora of others. Now, that's the depressing side. I will say the positive side. Now, this is the piece that passes understanding here. God is not the author of confusion. He's writing a peace story in Uganda. We, in Uganda, eventually we, we uh, had to shut the schools down. The pastors were being imprisoned. But we kept our teachers on salary. We kept the pastors on salary. Yeah. And they were going door to door and making sure and taking, just accounting for their kids. I love that. And so um, I don't have any statistics. I don't have any numbers. I can only go from what the pastors are telling me. But they've got stories in every village of children who are safe, of children who are not pregnant, of families who've been able to feed their kids that did not marry them off for it. And so the gospel in those communities, all due respect to Sam Harris and the atheist contingency, I have not seen a single atheist out there um, with that. And and I shouldn't because it's it's contrary to their belief system. But in in the world of Christianity, 
that's what we do. And, and if you want to be a part of that, by the way, um, we, so we, the reason we were able to keep these teachers on salary is very simple because we have amazing people in our church family who sponsor the classrooms and they sponsor a teacher basically. And we've broken it up into five parts. It's so it's $125 a month is what it costs to sponsor a classroom. Yeah. And that is the, the salary of the teacher. It is uh, goods, paper, pencil. In, in this case, we were able to like buy snacks and treats out of that as well and help provide food. So we've been using it for other things for them as well. Um, at conduitmission.org, you can find the, the classroom sponsorships. For yeah. one month, so for an entire month, $125 yeah. takes care of all of that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> and these are good salaries. I mean, here's the, I'll say Amazing. this, one of the tricks that we found in Uganda was, it's just like us, like, would you want to, is there a great need, like in Lynchburg, Tennessee for whatever, like some rural town? 100% there is. And if you're a teacher, do you want to move to there? I mean, I joke about it, but it's true. The school I grew up in, my art teacher was legally blind. Okay. Wow. <laughs> right. Mr. Mitchell. And he's legally blind as an art teacher, and God bless him, right? Uh, by the way, it never once did it occur to me that that was weird until later. I'm like, oh, God, our art teacher was blind? What? <laughs> he loved all of your artwork. Yeah. <laughs> but you know why we had the blind art teacher? Because no, no, no one else would go there. Yeah. He couldn't find work anywhere else, and no one else wanted to go there. Yeah. So in you know junior high school, when my anti-government government teacher gets arrested in the class because he's wow. making threats against the IRS, uh, it's because no one else wanted to work. And this is the same thing in Uganda. You can't right. find teachers that want to go there to these remote villages. So we pay them well by Ugandan standards, and we actually um, have raised them up. So these are kids that have gone through college to Good Samaritan School with Alex Matala, and we will tell them we will pay for your university if you will commit to us two years teaching in the bush they wow. call it the bush yeah we call it the boondocks here uh but it's the bush there so these are teachers that are giving their lives i mean they're living they're pumping their water like everybody else mm-hmm. and uh, and out in the bush and so we've got teachers and because of that the, the author of confusion in uganda is saying the schools need to be shut down for 80 weeks the author of confusion says uh, let's let these chinese companies come in and, and tell us how to run our world but the author of peace says we will still send these teachers out we will still keep them and and by the way we did that in haiti as well you'll find the same thing in haiti because we did it we, there was a wire this month for haiti um yeah so there is a, a chunk of change uh was sent out this just this week to the feeding program um do you do you know off the top of your head how many kids are fed each month I do. Yeah, or each week uh, with this. Yeah, it's six or seven hundred right now. It's unbelievable. Um, another chunk of change went to the Restoration House, which is in Haiti. What's what's some of the details on the Restoration House? Oh, man, house? Restoration House is my favorite because it was our first. Um, there are 19 girls there now. Okay. Two of them, our uh, parents died in the earthquake just last year. Really? Two little two little girls. Oh, my word. Um but it's it's all girls who were at high risk with either no parent at all or a parent who just literally could not provide right and the parents willingly like we're not and we're not adopting them out to the states whatever this is just a safe place for them we're calling it restoration house lafleur doesn't like the word orphan and i understand it um in especially in haiti there's just a stigma attached to the word orphan Hmm. um and so we, we don't use that kind of language there but that's essentially what they are in, in English that's what we would know they are and so 
uh, so every month, like we send, uh, we're at what, seven, eight grand just just yeah. every month. Yeah. Um, that takes care of Restoration House, and that takes care of the, 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 all the food, the clothing for those girls. It pays the, uh, the salary of the house parents that live there. And there's um, also uh, the Bible Institute. Yeah, we kept it open too. Which is pretty cool. So that's remained open uh-huh. these past two years. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the irony of Uganda uh, versus Haiti is that Ugandan's government is inept at logic, but they're very apt. Is it apt? What is the opposite of apt? Inept. inept. <laughs> they're apt. <laughs> they're very skilled at tyranny. Able. Um, the irony in Haiti is that their government is so decentralized, it's actually what's causing most of the problems. There's their government is such a disaster right now, so inept. But it was also when they said, shut it down, we were like, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, we're and by the way, most of Haiti said that they're like, there were videos coming out like by April of like workers busting down the gates to go back to work. Like we're not going to let you shut us out. Um, but because they were so inept, we were able to keep the schools open, keep the Bible Institute open, keep Restoration House open, keep the church open. Yes. A couple of years ago, gosh, it's been more than a couple of years ago. Um, but I had the opportunity to go to Haiti. Uh, the weekend of one of the Bible Institute graduations. Oh, that's what it was a graduation, right? It was yeah. a graduation. And it was really, really cool. I mean, handfuls of of students graduating from that program and just the the hunger and yeah. the 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 fire that they had for the word um was so encouraging yeah. and convicting. I mean, this is in, in many ways, this is this is all they have and uh for them to be able to to learn and teach and then go out into another community and teach and grow a church um, yeah, is just so inspiring. And some of those, like I, one of them I remember was a guy named Igne. It's Igne. actually spelled H-U-E-G-N-E-R-E-U or something like that. Igne is how it's pronounced. Um, is actually one of the pastors at one of the church plants there now. Like wow. We planted a church. That is so cool. And that's uh, the way it should be. Yeah. And, you know, to that end, in that little community – you know, there are, we have five, six churches now, and those churches are uh, the conduits of food and water and distribution. So, like, this month we're going to send $15,000, which will – you just do the math. At, like, 25 cents a meal, that's a lot of meals. Um, but it will be hundreds of families for the next month or two to have something. And what we'll do is we'll – it'll be the central location of Restoration Church – and then from there, De Montrier, uh, Chabine, like all these little villages become distribution channels for it. So we're like the Amazon.com distribution <laughs> of food. Um, and that's, again, so the author of Confusion in Haiti says, and it's the author of Confusion is writing a pretty loud story right now, but the author of Peace is writing a story of the future presidents of this country, the future mm-hmm. leaders, the future pastors and lawyers and they all still have dreams they all still have desires and they want to raise their kids and they want to follow Jesus and so we're giving them a chance to do that so and by the way when I oh man when in March of 2020 the, the scariest thing for me was we had told our church that if we had to cut even by a penny of the global work we were doing we just broke ground on this building and I had told everybody we will turn those bulldozers off in February of 2020, in March of 2020, we're like, uh, the, we, the whole world shut down. I'm like, oh, oh no, Lord, what do we do? Um, and, uh, and the band, God is so good because we just kept, we literally kept the faucet on and the generosity of our church family continued to flow so, so that not only did we not decrease, but we increased 
the impact. Yeah, we'll be able to increase our impact um, by pouring into headquarters here, right? We've yeah. increased our, our troop carrier, the size of our troop yeah. carrier. We've um, um, finished the completion of our expansion project here at Conduit, uh, which has allowed more conduits yeah. to jump on board and then help fuel that for what's happening around the globe. Yeah. Yeah. And people might, I mean, especially if you're new here, uh, new to the podcast, you know, however you found us, I don't know. You know, you, you, we wouldn't know that this is how we started even before we were at church. This is what we were doing. So again, we're not doing anything new. Um, but I will say that it, because of what, this is what we were already doing, it helped inform our decisions for how we were going to respond as a church. I remember when I would hear people say, well, we got to shut our churches down because we love our neighbors. Ugh, which, I mean, of course, it was like fighting words because they're telling me because you guys are not shutting down that you don't love your neighbors. But what we learned was that when we're open in a group of people together, Jesus people, and we, we say, hey, we have uh, this need in India right now, or we have this need in Nepal or this need in Haiti, um, people respond to that. And they respond because that's what the Holy Spirit said would happen when Jesus people come together. So our gatherings are of utmost importance to us because by gathering, we were loving our neighbors. By gathering, we were setting slaves free. By gathering, we're feeding kids who are starving. By gathering we're fighting for the lives of addicts and, and the homeless here in, in middle Tennessee um, and it took I mean I look back I, it, did you feel like it took courage back then because I didn't really think it took courage I just thought we were doing what was right I mean that's a good question right I mean is it courageous to do the right thing <laughs> I guess that the answer is yes I guess but if it's the right thing to do we've just done it Maybe you just you just yeah. you just do it. I, I don't know if it's just a um, natural reaction. It's just a reflex, just to do what needs to be done, um, to do the right thing. Um, but when you're in the midst of it, like we've talked about this before, like in the fog of war, there's so much confusion, so many things yeah. happening. Sometimes all you know to do is the next thing, yeah. which is the right thing. Yeah, it, that's true because. Like I don't think when people say you guys are courageous, it actually is a weird feeling for me because it's like mm, I, I'm actually not like I, I have a lot of fears, <laughs> a lot sure. of, but I, it did, so nothing that I felt like we were doing was courageous. I just thought that we were, we, this is true, and so we're going to do what's yeah. true. But I guess that when in a world that is built on lies, that living by the truth turns out to be an act of courage. Yeah. Um, and I am so excited because we are surrounded by people who, by that definition, are very courageous. You know, we have people, uh, church family uh, here and around the country, I might add, people that have like have locked arms with us that are like living by the truth. And again, a world built on lies, living by truth is an act of courage. We, we apparently have a very courageous church. Uh, the A.W. Tozier, I uh, see the, 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 the initials. So. Someday I want people quoting D.L. Tyler. As D.L. Tyler. <laughs> As A.W. Tozier said, a scared world needs a fearless church. Absolutely. And that's by us being here. And I say us. I'm not talking about Mo and I and Micah here at a podcast. I'm talking about us, you listening to this, our church family, living this way. We were and are and will continue to be able to bring peace into the world by saying uh, the kingdom of darkness says that these kids are so worthless that they don't deserve school, they don't deserve water, they don't deserve, and it's the kingdom of darkness because there's enough water in the world, there's enough resources that this could have been done the whole time. 
but the kingdoms of this world say they're not worth it. But the kingdom of God says they're infinitely worth it, so worth it that Jesus came. And so we get to preach the gospel. And, and it's a great apologetic. I mean, one of the things that Jeremiah said that I was— um, that, that I have found to be true is that the greatest apologetic isn't really just a great well-crafted argument. It's literally living out the gospel. You know, first Peter two fifteen. he he says, uh, I think he was right to Jews. I can't remember, but you know, let, let your good works silence the talk of foolish men. Um, when, when we started setting slaves free here, uh, from here in Asia, you know, people want to say, am, am I going to go with CRT or whatever? Like, I mean, like, could we just stop talking and tweeting and actually set some slaves free? Because it turns out, you know, part of your peace plan can be to actually do something and not just tweet about it. Right. And that's why I keep going back to in the middle of all this. I think all of us have a decision to make either to be active or passive. That's it. You can do nothing. That is an option. Mm-hmm. You, you can do something. And. I think it's repeated over and over when you do something, when you're active, when you are about your father's business, like some incredible things can happen, not only to the people that you're you're serving or that you're, you're giving to, but what happens in your own heart, the, the, um, the blessings that come from that, but no, your heart is just overwhelmed with, with goodness and and gratitude because you're serving from a place that you've experienced grace for yourself. And there's just, there's something that happens when you're activated in the spirit. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because you know Jesus actually said that um, about specifically about giving when he said it. I think it's Matthew six. It, usually, it's quoted where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Yeah, Matthew six. Also, but that's not what he said. He said where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Correct. And you know, think about that. Like, you know, we got a, we got a lot of staff uh, doing the crypto and our little Robin Hoods accounts. You know, <laughs> and think about like how many times you're checking. You know that. Oh man! Right? Because it, but the reason you're checking is because you put your treasure there, so your heart's there. Right. Or a piece of your heart is there. It's not a bad thing at all. But if you want to, if you want your heart to be where God's heart is, which is the least of these brothers of mine, those who can't defend or speak for themselves, if you want, His heart is for that. Put some money in it, put some treasure in it, and then all of a sudden you're invested in it and your heart will continue to go back to it. It's actually, uh, it wasn't a warning, it was a promise from Jesus, do this. And so, uh, and we're surrounded by that in our church family, the generosity of it, of is that. And when when you're, to me, like I would actually, I haven't actually finished Jeremiah's book, so maybe there's a chapter in there somewhere, so spoiler if there is, I don't know. You know, I would add one thing to it and that is part of your peace plan is doing something, pushing back against this. Yes. You know, if, if you've posted on Facebook about it, great. You actually feel like you did something, but you actually didn't do anything. You just wrote some letters and hit send and you felt you get your little dopamine hit or whatever. Um, and, and I don't say that judgmentally because honestly, I think most people are like how I was 15 to 20 years ago. I wanted to do something. I didn't know what to do, so I didn't do anything. Um, part of what the conduit idea was, was we give, we have some great options for you to do here some great things, whether it's through generosity or through serving your time, your treasure, your talents, your, uh, all your skills, like doing something, uh, you actually take back some of your peace for yourself because you now are not just sitting there and taking it. You're actually doing something about it. And there is a great peace. I've, I experienced that peace. I mean, 
I'll say this when we were by June, when we were getting, you know, the, the people were kind of mad and we were, the emails were coming in and I actually had so much peace because I knew that this is what God had called us to do. But I also knew that because we took this risk, lives were actually literally being saved. Yes. And so I had a lot of peace to say, whether you understand this or not understand this, whether you are willfully ignorant or actually blissfully ignorant, it matters not to me anymore because what, by doing this, we are, we are doing something and we're not just going to sit here and take it. And, uh, place of hope. In fact, this Sunday, Mike Coop is going to be with us. Mike is the founder of place of hope, a Christ centered inpatient drug and alcohol rehabilitation center. He was with me in Israel, when uh, in fo- February and March of 2020, when this the news just started to break, and I remember having a conversation with him mid March, like when the when all this stuff started coming down, because I'm on the board of directors there. You know, we got liability. What are we going to do? And I love Mike's faith. He's like, Darren, we're just going to keep setting addicts free, man. Right. <laughs> so they're going to. And he said this back in March. They're going to need us more than they needed us before because the world's going to be real scared right now. He's kind of a redneck. Um, and, and they and there was such a peace in knowing, okay, we're going to do this, and it, it's not without risk, but people are going to like. There's a hundred percent chance of someone going to die from their addiction, especially with eighty weeks, twenty months of isolation yes. for an addict is not a good peace oh, plan. It's terrible. It's the worst. We had a uh, we had an uh, NA Narcotics Anonymous meeting here at our church building during the pandemic, the early days, especially and. Nobody would let them meet there. The churches would not let them go in their buildings. And I'm, it was, there was this maddening to me. Like I, I have empathy and all that, but um, there's a guy that I met. We were down, I was just there last month and um, I can't, I won't say his name because of HIPAA and all that, but he was there in February and March. He actually, he got out. He had been clean for the first time in his life in March 1st of 2020. And he gets out, and if you've been through addiction, you know what you need. You need your group. You need your AA. You need your uh, Celebrate Recovery group. You need the accountability. And the first thing he got was isolation. He's already been alone. Right. And now he's completely alone. And he fell quick, and he fell hard. Um, And him and millions of others. Yeah. Um, Our waiting list is a mile long, it seems like. But uh, the piece that we have is... And maybe I should say this before we, I know we're getting close to the end here, but we just literally, we went from child sex trafficking in Uganda, right, <laughs> to addiction in Tennessee and, and emotional health and all that. If you just hear us say that, you might be saying, Darren, that's great. I don't even know where to start. Like, so now you're, now you're not going to feel peace anymore because I feel anxiety from Analysis, all that. paralysis, yeah. so much happening, don't yeah. know what to do. Yeah. And I want to say that God will give you a specific heart, a specific passion for a specific thing. It's not that you can't feel empathy for all these other things. You can, but you will literally drown if you're just going by the need in front of you. Like the need will suffocate you because the Genesis 3 world is a vacuum. Yeah. So we only go, we, it's so cliche, go by the lead, not by the need. What is the Holy Spirit leading you to do? And do that. Um, if you've got a heart for a Bible school in Haiti, 
absolutely. We have a place for that at Conduit. We, you could help with that. You could you could go with us and teach. You could help financially. You could, if you've got a heart for clean water in Africa, we we do that too. You, here's a place where you could invest that. But it gives you peace because uh, in the early days, I remember I wanted I, I would get so frustrated for that matter that people who didn't understand why we were doing what we were doing in Haiti and they wouldn't help me and they wouldn't. And later, God really convicted me. He was like, Darren, they don't have a heart for that. Right. See, I'm, not, I'm on a treasure hunt. I'm not on a, a, a generosity hunt. I'm like, who has a heart for this? Put your treasure there, and you'll have a heart for this here. So I'm not here to, to, to manipulate. To We allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in that way. Because if I had my way and everybody had a heart for what we were doing in Haiti, then nobody's going to be doing anything in Uganda. Nobody's going to be doing anything for the addicts in Tennessee. So don't let anybody shame you into doing something that God has not led you into doing. Um, and when you hear these needs, you go to conduitmission.org, you can see we're involved in disaster relief, we're in, involved in education, we're involved in uh, building uh, churches and planting churches. In the Bible. You can see all the categories for what we have there. Um, and by the way, if, if you're, if, Darren, I don't, I don't make any money. I don't have any, you know, I, I would suggest, first of all, that you, don't, you have no idea how far a dollar will go. Right. Well, especially when you explain $125 for a month provides all of those things that you rattled off for including the teacher and the kids and supplies and food that's incredible and 25 cents is is rice and beans for lunch for a kid yeah a quarter a quarter you 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 know for you could you know maybe get uh instead of getting five bean burritos get four and use that dollar for uh to buy formula so my point is is your dollar goes a very long ways yeah um but i would also say that money is not the only way right to do this and and it may not be even here like i i honestly i'm so grateful like when i hear stories of like lynn simpson or buford deford and the work like they literally just go to place of hope and just help where wherever they need it volunteer their time oh, dude people have no idea how that how much need there is if you just walked into your local crisis pregnancy center and said hey i'm just here to help what do you need um they'll find there's stuff there's, there's yeah. always stuff yeah to do um, so even if you, if you don't have money, you don't feel like you have money, you have, give it an hour a week, give it, but, but there's a peace that comes from knowing that now I am no longer just here cowering in a corner because the, the same fear and panic that drove the, the secular humanists into shutting the world down, that same fear and panic can drive Christians into cowering back into a corner and into a paralysis of not doing anything. Um, neither of those are good because both of them are led by fear and Again, God is not the author of confusion. God is the author of peace. He writes peaceful stories. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. So we, um, in our peace plan, say to you, just listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, this is lost a lot, but in the book of Acts chapter 6, when the widows were being overlooked in the distribution of the food, it's one of the first crises that unfolded in the church. The first crisis, the first church split didn't happen over a church band or pews or whatever. It was actually over feeding widows because they were actually feeding widows. Right. You know, it was just as important as the worship band, right? And so uh, it was just a simple solution. Hey, if you're gifted specifically for this, wired for this, we're going to appoint seven people full of the Holy Spirit and all that stuff. And they appointed seven of them. And um, and when you look at the list of names, there's seven of them, five of them, four of them for sure, five of them probably, there's a fifth one that's sort of vague, were Greek names. The widows that were overlooked were Greek. Mm. 
they had a heart for that. These are their moms, their aunts, their, you know, their cousins. Like they, they knew them. They had a heart for these people. They were signing up for it. So what do you have a heart for? Like what is your pain? What is your, you know, what, God, what the enemy has done in you? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, follow that because Jesus will use it um, whether you even know it or not. So we've spotlighted just a, a couple of ministries today. But there, are, there's several others. We have outposts in Honduras and Kenya and Nepal and India, and some other Eastern Asian countries. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. In fact, Nepal is where I need the most help right now, as far as school sponsorships. Okay. We, um, we built a school there. Uh, those of you that have been around know that I was in Nepal of October of 2019, and because of an unexpected tragedy for one of our staff, we had to cut the trip short. And but I just in my heart was like, we can. I'm not going to let Satan. Um, get get the win the day on this thing, and so we built us we built a school, dude. I mean, it's beautiful, and it's a conduit medium English. I don't know the language never the, the, the translate, translated right? well, <laughs> but but we've got children in you in Nepal that are going to school now, and they've been able to reopen those. And uh, so we do need I need some sponsors there because we're we're taking that out of general budget right now, and we will we'll continue to do that. But it would be a whole lot better on. Uh, our bookkeeper Amy's heart if we actually had it. Right. Conduitmission.org. We don't talk about that as maybe as much as we should, but we definitely wanted to spotlight this today. Conduitmission.org. Um, there's so many incredible things happening. And I also wanted to kind of call out too, just as a reminder to be praying for our brothers and sisters across the globe, especially that are in countries that are, that are locked down Yes. beyond belief. I mean, I, we could obviously spend a whole podcast talking about that. Um, but, our brothers and sisters in, in Australia, specifically, yes. uh, in Germany, in Austria, in Slovakia, UK is about to pull the trigger on another lockdown. UK is yeah, ninety five percent vaccinated, and they're going to lock down again. Yeah, they're calling it the pl- they're calling it Plan B, the Plan B bill. They're about to pull the trigger on that in the in the coming week, weeks, um, maybe as soon as end of this week. It's a mess over there right now. Um, I got to shut my mouth because we, we would go another hour just on that. I like, know. I know. And 95% vaccinated. It's not. And their numbers are, are doubled from last week. They, they're blaming it on uh, Omicron, um, but they, they... That's bull crap. We all know it. Right. And the, 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 <laughs> the, yeah, the Department of Health over there acknowledged that uh, the symptoms are very mild, but it's spreading twice as fast. And so they're just literally going, they're getting ready to lock down the country in UK, um, essential workers only, um, work from home and, uh, COVID pass, uh, on steroids. I mean, you won't be able to get in anywhere without it. Okay. Okay. COVID pass for a vaccine that's not working. It's not working. None of it makes sense. None of it makes yeah, sense, I'm sorry. but but that's that's what's <laughs> come, happening. Come back next week. We're during blows a gasket. I know this was just in the news this morning, so some of this is fresh. Yeah. And, and I talked to one of our good friends, um, Glenda Basher, last night. Actually, I was just checking in with her. We 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 dialogue a lot. Her and Andrew are up in uh, Canada, of course. And um, I was asking, you know, kind of what's the update going there? And it's just more of the same. Yeah. I mean, they really have not relented much in their. Their lockdown measures for meeting and gathering, uh, especially for churches, and they are moving towards. Uh, she believes after the first of the year, for most churches will have to require vaccine to attend. Wow! Um, at least in the province they're in, there's talk of that. Um, so they're feeling really beat up. They're feeling exhausted. 
Um, imagine two years of just total tyranny. We, we, we get glimpses of it here in Tennessee. Glimpses. Glimpses. But it is not anywhere near what thank, folks thank are experiencing. God for Governor Bill Lee, man. Yeah. Just a Holy Spirit-filled guy. Put it, he's put the kibosh on several things yeah. that have allowed us to maintain our freedoms. Yeah. Um, but that can't be said um, across the board. And there's there's neighbors to our north and to our south and, 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 and believers across the globe that are under intense pressure right now. And, and I just want to make sure that one of the things you can do, one of the things you can actively do is to remember them in prayer, yeah. that, that we would lift them up and remember them and not just stick our head in the sand because you're comfortable here in, in uh, Middle Tennessee. Um, we've, we're in a wartime. We've said that before. Um, and so we are gathering together as, um, as soldiers, as it were. Um, and, and some of that is, is just proclaiming the truth, um, having an awareness of our surroundings and, uh, and, and girding up ourselves, right? It talks about in Ephesians 6 and, and that we would um, remember those things when we head into battles. And part of that is being in the word, uh, being in fellowship with believers, um, being in prayer for one another, having communion, Acts 2.42. That is, that is the hill we're going to die on as, as a church. And so we would encourage you to stay focused and stay on Stay on those things. Yeah. Get your peace plan in, in motion, man. Peace if plan, yeah. It, you know, again, you can get a peace plan by just ignoring what's going on in the world, but that's not peace. That's just uh, blissful, willful ignorance, and it's not It's not good. It's not helpful. Um, and at the same time, you know, you're going to see things going to make you angry, but let that lead you to passion, to, to action, and even that can be peaceful, you know, to know that, that that's happening uh, in your life. But um, And then just, you know what, look, continuing to stand beside us here, whether it's financially, whether it's serving in the parking lot here or serving whatever, like there are ways that we, when we're all doing this together, you know, we'll, again, this week we will have another call for whatever, like oh, we probably raised 10 grand last week just for setting slaves free. And I just mentioned it in passing. Right. Um, and everybody from wiping babies butts to parking lot people all played a part in that because we were all able to be here on that day That's right. to create that environment. So get your peace plan, get with the, get with the body of Christ, get with believers. Conduitchurch.com forward slash volunteer. If you want to jump in <laughs> yes. and be a, and, and help volunteer on a Sunday or throughout the week, we have some incredible opportunities there as well. Needless to say, there's plenty to be, to be done. There's plenty to do and there's ways to get it done. And we're, we're thankful to have you join us each and every week to listen. Um, hopefully you gain some clarity uh, and maybe a little less confusion. And um, we're, we're, we're excited to be able to share some of these things. And we're really excited for what's happening across the world in the name of Jesus, right? Um, in the middle of all the crazy, there's some incredible things happening, some incredible men and women of God that are going to battle um, and doing some amazing things. And maybe we'll talk about right. them here in the future and actually put names to that. Right. Um, but it's an exciting time. End time warriors, man. Remember that hip hop group? In time or ETW. ETW. Absolutely. <laughs> they were right there next to gospel gangsters, yeah. right? Yeah, they were. I ETW. didn't get to work with the gospel gangsters. Gospel gangsters. Like, <laughs> Full <yeah>. circle. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week. Look forward to maybe seeing you Sunday or joining us again next week. <laughs>